two episodes in one week. This is a throwback almost. College football top 50 players list coming at you next. The boys are back. Let's ride, folks. This episode of the Educated Ignorance podcast is brought to you by Toys for Tots. For fantasy's sake, is launching their second annual Toys for Tots League. Now is your chance to play against the talking heads of For Fantasy's Sake or your favorite Quad City sports personalities. The list of celebrities this year includes Cody Sedlock of the Detroit Tigers, Matt Brill of the Washington Nationals, Nathan Sheets of the Quad City Steamwheelers, and your favorite sports news anchors. All proceeds from the league goes to buy toys for t- boys and girls of the Quad Cities this Christmas. To sign up, go to For Frequency Sake on Facebook or FFSQC on Twitter, or go to our website, ForFrequencySakeQC.com. The draft is tomorrow, August 20th. We're also brought to you by the For Frequency Sake QC Podcast Network with brand new episodes of the Educated Ignorance Podcast every week. We're going to be getting to two and three a week as we close down. This is a big college football week for us with week zero coming in next week. Uh, big stuff for us here today, but uh, other big shows here on the network. Card subject to change with our boy CZ. Uh, the other night, a great episode of AEW Dynamite. I'm sure I'll tap into that. Uh, also, some big post SummerSlam stuff and Clash at the Castle. I think's in a couple weeks for WWE, so that'll be big. Other uh, brand new episodes of the Data Lab with Professor John Bush and Dennis uh, Michelson, and then also some episodes of From College to Combine. All those guys leading you up to get some great fantasy draft news as we get closer and closer to opening night uh, in a few weeks, Bills and Rams and at SoFi. And, of course, every Sunday leading you up to kickoff for fantasy's sake, Doug, DJ, and the boys lead you to kickoff to give you all of the fantasy football news that you need. Today on the podcast, Mac and Nick join us. We have a comprehensive list, the top 50 college football playoff, uh, players, in the country, this is going to be fun to go at and discuss and see where we have everybody. Uh, we, we put this list together. Uh, we, we each did our own list, and then we averaged it out. So uh, this I think we got some really good stuff here. So let's have at it, and uh, let's have some fun here with this one. Second episode in the same week. It's a little, it's a little surprising almost. We're back. It, it feels good to be back, uh, and it's good to have the guys back here as well to, to hang out and Shoot the you-know-what with them, so this should be fun. Let's get it. All right, all dumb, corny Russell Wilson jokes aside, the boys are back. Mac and Nick are here. Uh, we Howdy. put this list together, oddly enough, as faster than I thought we could because we got down to the nitty-gritty and we were throwing everything around, and I think we did good with this with this project. So we're here to give it to you. The top 50 players in the country for college football uh, we have honorable mentions we'll get to, but we can go around and say our P's and Q's, how everyone's doing. Gentlemen, how's life? How's the world? It's beautiful that we're almost back to pigskin season. Nick got to see some legendary volleyball games tonight, I'm sure, back in his yep. running around like a chicken with his head cut off face. Yep, we're at the point where there's different sports playing every day down here in uh, beautiful Mississippi. So, uh, yeah crazy time of the year but enjoying it is it uh is it a hundred degrees dry yet down there or does uh, it 
Here's your first mistake. You said dry. It's a hundred degrees soaking wet there. It's a hundred yeah. degrees dry in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the dip, it's my like, bad. That's it what I meant. It says it's ninety degrees, but then it feels like it's one fifteen down here. Like that's that's what you're more so. Looking that's for. what I meant. You just where you just walk outside and you just get three layers of sweat on you. Yeah, because yeah, it's terrible. thick. <laughs> it's thicker than Magic City in December. Down there. That's pretty sad. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's how it'd be down there, man. Mac Mac walk, walks outside and his skin starts peeling when you get to this time of year. Pretty much. Yeah. Man, we're getting out of it though. We're getting out of the hundreds. We're getting back down to like the high eighties. And it's getting it's getting better here. Oh, there we go. All right, gentlemen. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Let's not waste any more time. So we got this top fifty list that we kind of compiled together. Uh we got some honorable mentions that we all want to go around and mention. Guys that we just left off the list. Uh, I'm sure throughout this list there's going to be people that you hear that you're like, oh, why is, you know, Bob Smith from Yours University that p- plays left water boy not on the list? We're going to be like, sucks to suck. We don't think Bob Smith from Yours University is as good as another person. That's, you know, our this is our opinion. Our, you know knowledge or whatever we think we did a pretty good job so we'll start with mac who are a couple guys that we left off the list that barely missed the cut for you um so two of the most notable guys for me um would be chris rodriguez and Jaden reed uh chris rodriguez i think he's gonna get overlooked by a lot of people coming off and especially coming off the season last year which makes no sense to me why people are i mean he ran for almost 1400 yards almost had 10 touchdowns and he's just been consistent in his last three years at Kentucky. Um, and then the other one would be Jaden Reed out of Michigan state. This dude, when is, when he is healthy and plays a full season and not has a COVID year, like he averages around 55 to 60 catches over a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. This guy, when he he's on the field, he just balls out. Uh, both guys, uh, I think are very, high on lists or not high on lists, but like, you know, have them in those ranges. I know you got, I believe you had Reed pretty or not Reed Rodriguez, a pretty good spot in your list. I had Rodriguez at 38. Yeah. Yeah. So, but wait, what we did is the three of us each made a top 50 list ourselves. And then we kind of averaged out this between the three of us. It got very interesting uh, with some of these, but I think we did pretty damn good. Honestly, uh, if I do say so myself. All right, Nick, who are a couple guys that you had uh, as honorable mentions that just missed the cut for you? Yeah, so for me, my biggest miss was Will McDonald the fourth, the uh, D-lineman from Iowa State. I had him 37 because the last year he's had both 10 and a half sacks and then 11 and a half sacks. So that's a big miss for me. And then for me, the other guy that I would like to highlight that just barely missed out for us is Andrew Voorhees offensive guard from USC. Uh, just had to pay a little bit of respect to the offensive lineman who starting for three years on that line in USC and uh, over 400 pass attempts has only allowed one sack. So got to give that guy a little bit of credit there too. Yeah, no, both of those guys, I think very, you know, when Mac and I did the pre- full preview the other day, we talked about USC and the guys that they are good at on the, on the skill positions. They don't have many good lineman-level players, but Voorhees definitely is their best one on both sides. I agree. So a uh, couple guys that I had, Jack Campbell was one. I like him, the Iowa State linebacker. 
another guy that we had off the list, uh, Xavier Thomas, former top-end recruit from Clemson, defensive end, still on there, part of that nasty front seven. And then another guy, uh, Jalen Catalan. Nick and I both kind of had him like at fifth. I think, Nick, you had him at like, what, 51, 52? Uh, I had him at 50. You had him at 50. I had him right below it. Uh, I believe Mac barely had him like at the bottom, or he was right, him at 55, yeah. right off the list. And then one guy, Nick, I know you had you had just make the cut was or or on your list, but he was left off of the total one was Cam Smith, a uh, corner from yeah. South Carolina. Correct. So those are just some guys we had missed. So here's what we're gonna do with this list. We're gonna break it down five by five. So we'll go from 50 to 46, 45 to, what, 41, 40, et cetera. Uh, we'll kind of each note, like, certain spots and, you know, give a quick synopsis on certain things. And then when at a, some point we'll get into some of these players and we'll be going back and forth on big discrepancies that we had uh, kind of in where we had each guy ranked. So – 50 to 46, we do have three quarterbacks in the bottom, and we'll go ahead, we'll explain why here in a second. But 50th, we have Jake Hayner from Fresno State, Cam Rising at 49 from Utah, and Mississippi State's Will Rogers uh, at 48. Then at 47, we have Joey Porter Jr., the Penn State corner, and 46, we have Travis Dye, the USC Running back. So I first want to get to, of course, the three quarterbacks. We both had, we all had uh, these guys at some point in our list, whether two of us had them in or only one of us had them in. Nick and Mac and I both had Jay Kaner right at the bottom of our list. Cam Rising was in the bottom, was in the 40s for both Mac and I as well. And then Nick had Will Rogers really high. Which is okay. I I can defend it, and he can, and I I would agree that at the end of this season, if he has another year like he did last year, it will be way more of a miss on Mac in my behalf than it will Nick or than anything else. So we can just go around and talk about where we have these guys. Obviously, it's a bit weird that we have the quarter the, the small quarterback group at the bottom, uh, but we do believe all three of these guys deserve recognition. Uh, and these guys all deserve to be on the list at some point uh, just because of where we had them each. Uh, Nick, if you want to start with your Rodgers take and then mention the other two or, or however you want to go here, but we'll let you start, Nick. Sorry. Since I had Rodgers on and I was the only one, I can address him real quick and then leave the other two to you. So for me, I had Will Rodgers all the way up at 27 because last year playing for a team that was good but not necessarily a threat. He had just under 4,800 yards passing, 36 touchdowns, a 74% completion percentage. The way I see it, if you're a quarterback in the ICC, I do not care if you play in an air raid offense. If you're a quarterback in the ICC and you can throw for 5,000 yards, which is at this point in time what I would anticipate him doing this year, you deserve to be in the top 50 football players for that year. Just the way I see it, uh, obviously people can agree or disagree with me, but that's just the way I kind of view it. Yeah, when you break down the stats, I think you're right. And I think it's easy. I think it's really easy when you do lists like these to just miss guys. I think on my end, I would probably say Rodgers for me was more of a miss 
Um, and I know Mac had reasonings for other people, like another reason. I'll let you go at in a sense, but so I agree with with both takes, and I think that's kind of why we had the three of these guys here at the bottom of this list, Mac. Yeah, I mean, like I was going to touch on like Cam Rising from Utah. I had we have him at forty nine. Like on our list, I had him at thirty five. Um, I think Cam Rising last year showed in the he didn't start the whole season last year because of Charlie Brewer when he came in Utah completely changed who they were. They were a better team because of Cam Rising. And in his limited action throughout the season, not playing the whole year, he still had over almost 2,500 yards passing and 20 touchdowns. So you can only expect those numbers to go exponentially. Uh, what was it exponential? They, would, they will definitely go up probably around 3,000 to 3,250 range. And he's really good on his speed as well. And then we get uh, Jay Kaner, of course, a guy that we think can be good. At one point was looking like he was going to transfer to Washington and ended up staying at Fresno State. He's a guy that Mac and I both really like. We mentioned him, especially when we were talking about USC the other day, because they play Fresno week two or three, I think week two, and that's definitely going to be a must-watch television. Uh, I think they kicked 9.30 in, up here in Illinois, and that's going to be a doozy. All right, 44. Uh, anything you guys wanted to touch on the rest, on anyone else on these top on these bottom five? Um, just Travis Dye is going to be exciting at USC. I mean, Laundry stays healthy. That's, I think, why Travis Dye also kind of dropped down to where he is on our list. Is just, it's kind of health pending. Oregon, it wasn't always the best for him. Joey Porter Jr., Last quarterback to make the list. A couple other corners that were close, but got to give it to the legend's son. Yeah, I like Porter a lot. I think Die too, is going to be interesting. The one thing I love about him is that Lincoln Riley, the way he runs his offense, is very run-predicated. Though I'm going to be interested to see if Riley is going to try to use different backs that he has to try to see who the best hand is. I'm also interested. You guys had Die on your list. I did not. One of the things I'm more interested about Die as well is, you know, you go from Oregon with really good line play to USC that does have issues in the trenches or more. Their biggest question marks are at, well, are at line. So I'll be interested to see about that. Next five from 45 to 41. 45, Cedric Tillman, Tennessee wide receiver. 44, Texas wide receiver, Xavier Worthy. Number 43, uh, Layden Robinson, Texas A&M guard. Uh, we're, uh, I'm going to get to him here in a second, as well as Peter uh, Skaronsky, Northwestern tackle, and then Colin Oliver, defensive end from Oklahoma State. Uh, I believe, what, Nick, 11 and a half sacks as a freshman, as a true freshman last year. Uh, very excited yeah. for him this season. Also, Xavier Worthy, I mean, if you watched Red River last year, he had like 10 or 11 catches for almost 300 yards. He went nuts, so he, I think, is going to have a fantastic season. Um, Layden Robinson is a guy I wanted to note on. You guys had him on your list, and he was a guy that uh, a bit of a miss for me, not putting him on mine. But you guys were talking about how he could be a very high-level NFL draft pick when we get to next spring, Mac. Yeah, I think Layden Robinson, at, I mean, we've seen him coming in. He's been a very strong player for Texas A&M since of arrival. Um, I would say most of the time when you see pressure come in against A&M, it was usually never from the interior portion of it, and it was usually on the other parts of the line. So he definitely is one of those top guys, I think, on the offensive line and, and throughout the country. 
Nick, we mentioned another. Uh, we gave some love to the interior uh, line with Robinson. We give uh, love to the uh, outside uh, linemen and the edge rushers, Skaronsky at 42 and Oliver at 41. Yeah, so for me, I had Skaronsky a little bit higher than where he's at, but that's just because I think it's really easy on these lists to kind of forget about offensive linemen, so I tried giving some of those guys some love, and it was one of the main guys I tried focusing on. It was one of the first questions I asked you guys, I think, uh, when we were putting it together, was how many linemen do you guys have? Because <laughs> I wanted to, I just wanted to know where we were at on that, on that list. Because I had Skaronsky at 40. I know, Nick, you had him a little bit higher as well. Uh so, yep. yeah, but you guys, but the thing, but like to counter, uh, I didn't have Lane Robinson on my list and Mac and Nick, you both had him around this range. So that's the yeah, fun and part then for of me. It. Uh, Colin Oliver was going to be my die on the hill guy. I was no matter, I didn't care where anybody else had him. He was the guy I was going to die on the hill to get into the top 50 just because uh, you put up 11 and a half sacks, as Joe said, as a true freshman. Man. Got to give you some credit for that. Yeah, he was really good. I'm excited to see him this year. All right, so from 40 to 36 is uh, four offensive players and a very interesting defensive transfer. A.T. Perry, the the Wake Forest wide receiver at 40. 39, we might have the most conversation about this man in this list, in this five here, definitely. (laughs) Will Levis, Kentucky quarterback. Hide your Hellman's mayonnaise, folks. Uh, number 38, Georgia linebacker. I meant three. Offense, two defense. I'm a knob and put wide receiver next to Nolan Smith for some reason. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> Nolan Smith, Georgia linebacker. Could you imagine, though? Uh, 37, <laughs> Eli Ricks, Bama corner. And then 36, giving love to the group of five in the Sun Belt. Grayson McCall, the Coastal Carolina quarterback, gotta love a guy. And Grayson McCall coming back for his fifth, uh, I believe, his. I don't know if this is fifth year eligibility or not, but his senior season, he withdrew from the draft. Definitely a guy that has potential to, you know, if he has a good season again, could be interesting to see what kind where people will put him when we get to next spring for the draft. But I wanted to start with Will Levis because I feel like we are kind of all over the board on him. I am okay with us having him down here. I think Nick is as well. Mac, you had him a little bit higher, right? You had him between uh, 25 and I had him at 20. I had him at 28. Okay. I look at Levis and I think of last year, I think Kentucky – not saying they win in spite of him, but they don't win games because of his, you know, greatness, I think. There were some games, like you look at the Tennessee game last year that was an absolute blowout or, uh, or an absolute, uh, you know, fireworks show. That's what I meant, where it was like in the four score, the game was back and forth. And you have games like that where he was good, but his touchdown interception ratio wasn't great. And you look at him in some of the better games where they play better teams and he doesn't do much to like pull away from where I look at him and it's like, oh, at least on the NFL draft landscape. Do I think he's a good college quarterback? I, I think he's good. And that's why we have him on this list. But I think we, at least for me and Nick, we hold him to the fire to lower him on the list. And Nick, I'll go to you first. 
I think we do this because a lot of people want to praise him and say he could be not just one of, but the first quarterback taken next April. And you and I both are like, you're nuts if you think that. Am I on to something there? So my big problem with Will Levis is I think that we are assigning him way too much credit for the Kentucky turnaround and taking it away from Stoops. I think that Stoops deserves more of the credit for this Kentucky turnaround and Levis is getting too much. Like you said, touch on interception rate, not great. Completion percentage, not elite. Yes, he can run the ball well, but there's something about him I don't like, but at the same time, he is the quarterback for a a 10-3 Kentucky team last year. Yeah. So he deserves to be up here. I just, I guess when I watch him, I just don't see it at that level, but I do think he is very good. Mac, you have the, this is your time to defend your boy, I guess. Look, I, <laughs> I totally, uh, I totally understand where Nick's coming from and everything. Um, like his numbers aren't eye popping at all. I will, I will concede that, but you can't say that he isn't a key piece to what Bob, like what Stoops is trying to do here. Like oh, he I don't is. know. I just like, think that people don't Stoops should get a lot of credit. Okay. Yes, he he should get a lot of credit. But Will Levis was a key piece for Stoops to achieve to where they're getting to be. And I think we we're just scratching the surface right now with Will Levis. That was his first season in Kentucky. And I think this year you'll start seeing the progression that you need to see, and that's why I think he was a little bit higher rate on my list than everybody else. See, yeah, I, I just feel like a guy like that. Here's another thing. So there's a lot of people that I trust and listen to and whatnot when they're talking about like win totals and stuff for Kentucky, when I think their win total over order was set at like seven and a half or eight. And a lot of people are saying they can envision them going like six and six, then like nine and three. And you and I don't know who that was that did that, but one of y'all put in the group chat, I think oh, it was, that was, that was Nick who put it in the group chat. I don't know who it was that predicted this, but someone predicted on ESPN today, or I guess it was SEC now probably, that they were going to go 11-1, and one, and I want to, like, yeah, that ain't happening, With their Bucko. only loss being to Tennessee. That ain't happening, yeah. Bucko. Look, and I think we all kind of agree, like, we expect this Kentucky team to be sitting around 8-4, and 9-3 and three again. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I view on that. Potentially, but then the, the – I, I think they could. Kentucky is a massive year. Yeah. They could, they and they could. The thing for me though with Kentucky is, when was the last time they actually followed up like a high level season with another one right away? So it's kind of like they're they are more up and down than all right. We're just gonna bang out seasons in a row of almost ten wins. That's why if they went seven and five this year, I would not be shocked. Um, we mentioned Grayson McCall real quick. Uh, Nick, do you feel like mm-hmm. McCall has any NFL? Like attributes, I know for a college guy with what he does and how they do things at Coastal, they run a really interesting offense. Uh, they did just have a tight end go in the draft that I think is – I was shocked he went so low. I think he went like fifth round, Isaiah Likely. I really, really liked him. But do you think McCall is a guy that could end up being a draft a, – a prospect next year for one of the first few rounds? I mean, a prospect, absolutely. But like you said, he's coming from an unorthodox offense. Yes, he's great. He, he's incredible. I mean, so in fact, is the last two years, he's gone 26 touchdowns, three picks, 27 touchdowns, three picks. Like, there's something there. You can't put up those two years in a row without having some kind of a skill, some kind of a skill set that can translate. 
Do I think he's going to be drafted as a day one guy? No, probably not. But he's a very good project pick at the very worst. And he's one of the best players in college football. And then one, one other thing I wanted to mention here real quick with Nolan Smith. And we can kind of I, I want to throw this out there when you look at a guy like Nicobe Dean as well, and you both can mention talk about this. Do you feel like these guys that played the second and third the second level for Georgia last year aren't like Nolan Smith we thought was eventually going to come out and be like like going into last season, we thought he'd be able to come out and be like a top 20 top 15 pick, but ended up staying. He might have still been in that if he did come out, but staying was shocking to us. Do you think guys like him and then a guy like N'Kobe Dean going later just shows how dominant that defensive line was last year with Walker and obviously Carter returning and uh, Jordan Davis? And Jordan Davis. We've, I mean, <laughs> the stuff Jordan Davis has been doing in camp, just seeing stuff has been awesome. Uh, he, I think he's a, a, I really love that pick for Philly, but like, do you feel like maybe that that the linebacker position for Georgia has became more undervalued, and that's why Nolan Smith, who going into last season, I think we all probably would have been like, yeah, he could be in this just this recent draft a top ten, top fifteen pick. We now have him as barely a top forty player in the country. But his See, that's that's misleading a though. Forty player doesn't mean he's the bottom. Yeah, I was going to say, no, that's I misleading because a lot of these guys on our list are underclassmen, though, too. I know, I know. I just wanted to, I just want, be, be, like, I guess the comparison would have been, like, last, going into last season, we probably would have had Smith higher on the list. I just, it was, I just wanted to, no, no think of what you guys thought about that. Because I like, because, like, a guy like N'Kobe Dean, who got, ended up getting drafted, I think he went to Philadelphia also, if I'm not mistaken, uh, went in the uh, second round, and that was a guy I didn't understand why he fell in the draft. So I, maybe it was just people really, really liked the D-line so much and they took and they discredited what the linebackers did. I know linebacker isn't really much of a – it seems like that position is becoming less and less value, oddly enough. But, hey, speaking of linebacker, we have two of them here in the next five. Actually, we have three, from 35 to 31. Uh, so I guess we could talk about that valuable position. I think it's still valuable, but hey, what do I know? 35, Trent, uh, Trent and Simpson from Clemson. 34, Max' favorite name, Bumper Pool from Arkansas. 33, Brandon Joseph from Notre Dame. This is all defense, by the way. 32, B.J. Ojolari from LSU. I got that order right, correct? And then 31 is Isaiah Fos uh, Foskey from Notre Dame, the defensive end. I believe I got that order correct, right? We had, had Foskey over Ojolari. Um, so Simpson, 35, Pool 34, Joseph, 33, Ojolari, 32, and Foskey, 31. Shout out to Notre Dame. Two guys here on this uh, portion of the list we're also going to have, oddly enough, a couple more Notre Dame guys that run consecutively later. Gentlemen, we'll open the floor up for your thoughts on this section of the list, 35 to 31, a full group of guys on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Mac, we'll go to you first. <laughs> um, I guess the big one that I'll like point out at is Bumper Pool from Arkansas. We're of talking course. about a guy who... Of course you go Bumper Pool. I have to. One, he is the best name in college football. No questions asked. 
Two, we're talking about a guy who is already a, like he's going to second team All American preseason wise this year. He was a third team All American last year, and he had a season where he had 125 tackles, and seven and a half of them were tackle for loss. It's like this guy is just a high motor, just you know, goes to work every day kind of guy, and just gets the job done for Arkansas. And they needed that throughout the SEC season last year. No, I agree. I, I, I like all these guys, and Poole's got a lot of production. Nick, go ahead. So, for me, I guess the guy I would highlight out of this is Isaiah Foskey, DN from Notre Dame. I had him at 24, so I value him a little bit more, but that's just because coming from that DN position, coming out with 10 sacks last year, I think he's a really explosive end, and it's kind of the same story for B.J. O'Jolari for me where I had right after. Another guy that believed he had seven sacks last year, but 17 tackle or 12 tackles for loss. So got to give those guys some credit for being explosive guys off the edge. High level defensive players. And we kick off this next portion of the list with some more 30 to 26 here. Andre Carter at 30, the army edge. We're going to highlight him here in a moment because Nick and I both had him really high next KJ Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback 28th Mo Ibrahim. Minnesota running back who had his season cut short last year due to an Achilles injury, uh, if I'm not mistaken, got hurt in week one against Ohio State in the midst of him having a extraordinary opening game and then went down. Number 27, the man-child himself, Braylon Allen, the Wisconsin running back, 18-year-old. And 26, we end this top, uh, the top of the second half of this list, with Taylor Van Dyke, the Miami quarterback. Let's start with 30, Andre Carter. Nick, second most sacks in the country last year. A guy, it's it's a, a rarity that you have a guy from Army on a list like this because I don't think they probably have since 1920 or something like that. Uh. Your thoughts on Andre Carter? We both had him in the close to the top twenty. We were both wondering if we had him too low. Uh, let's give some praise to the Army man, the Edge Andre Carter, who is a savage. Yeah, so I had him at twenty three, and my comment on him was, "This may be too low." The way I see it, he played for Army who, like we've already highlighted, does not exactly produce elite-level players that end up on these kind of lists very often. He had 14 and a half sacks last year, four forced fumbles. The guy was a absolute wrecking ball on a defense that doesn't really have a lot of other guys like that. I agree 100%. Like, he... Because that was... One of those things you're doing research and you see the name and you see the the numbers. You're like, okay, I need to research this. You start watching tape. I'm working here. And I yesterday I just find myself watching about eight minutes, ten minutes worth of Andre Carter tape. I'm like, okay, I'm sold. Uh, you see guys like that and the stuff pops. I agree that he absolutely deserves to be on this list, and I'm excited that we got him on here. A uh, couple quarterbacks, K.J. Jefferson and Taylor Van Dyke. Mac, K.J. Jefferson at 29, a guy that uh, I had lower than you guys, 
and I, I don't. I'm not saying I caved to move him up, but I agreed that we should. I guess for me, I was looking at it more of how I would view them as like a, like for the KJ Jefferson ranking. It, I I looked at it too much of like where I would value them as an NFL quarterback because I don't think he is, and that's why I had him so low. I when you guys when we talked about it, we talked talked about how you guys had him higher. That's where I kind of was like, yeah, he should definitely be higher. So I totally love KJ Jefferson in the top thirty here, who was really good last year. It's going to be really interesting though to see how they lost some good stuff on offense. Man, I, I'm really worried that this year could be a bit could feel underachieving for Arkansas, even though they've got high level dudes. Obviously, Jalen Catalan, who just missed this list for us. Bumper Pool, who was right here in this exact region, but they, I feel like they lost a lot of like key guys. I'm a little worried about them taking a step back, but we we all agree KJ Jefferson is, is a really good college player. Absolutely. I mean, if you just look at his stats game by game last year, this dude will go out there and he comes up big in big games. Even if they didn't win the game, his best game of the season was against Alabama. He threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, kept the ball out of their hands, and he put on a show and almost pulled off the upset. I mean, you saw that continuously. The only game that he really struggled was the Georgia game. But, I mean, who didn't struggle against Georgia last year? Yeah, Georgia came out oh. in that game against Arkansas and just absolutely, like, went for the kill. Like, that game. But you're right, yeah. The, they went to Bama, and they had them on the ropes, but they just couldn't get stops because Bryce Young is – Yeah. Oh, Bryce Young. He's so good. We'll talk about him later. Uh, but yeah, I, um, Nick, let's talk about the other quarterback here. Taylor Van Dyke is a guy a lot of people like, and a lot of people think has NFL potential. He came in when Derek King got hurt the early part of the last season, and his numbers were really good. In your mind, from what you've seen, outside of the numbers, is there like is there stuff there with him? Do you need to see a season? Do you need to see him this year on a team where we believe could actually be really competitive, and see how he reacts to that before you say you would put him in that top level of draftable QBs in that early part next year? Like a before you put him in that in that group with guys like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and and others, Devin Leary, etc. Caleb Williams so, potentially, though Williams isn't eligible for the draft next year, but. I, I do think that he – you look at him, he has the right size that you're looking for. He's coming in at 6'4", 220, and 230, somewhere between there. So he's got really good size, really big arm. My question for him is accuracy. Last year only had he had below a 63% completion percentage. His interceptions weren't bad, but I'd like to see that completion percentage come up in a college game especially in an offense that is going to be favorable for him to have a higher completion percentage and be able to move the ball more efficiently. Um, if he can do that, yeah, he could sneak in. Uh, I obviously don't think he's going to be above any of the three that we have above him on the list that we'll talk about, but I do think he could be legit. I just worry a little bit about that erratic tendency sometimes. Yeah, the one thing you liked that you saw a guy like him that got thrusted into the, was, I think, what, he only threw five picks last year? But as you mentioned, his completion, for a guy who only threw five interceptions, his completion percentage was very oddly low. I'm interested to see how he works in Cristobal's offense because 
I don't want people to be lazy and think he's Justin Herbert because Herbert was in that offense. Uh, but then again, even a guy like me, who I think just I will go like I I would say Justin Herbert's the best quarterback alive right now. But I also think if you said they're one of three guys, him, Allen, and Mahomes, like I, you're not wrong. But I did. There was some stuff that I didn't get with Herbert coming into the draft. So for a guy like Van Dyke in Cristobal's offense, where it's not going to be as efficient for him as a NFL wise numbers, though his numbers you would think Nick could be more efficient, right? They should be in Cristobal's yeah. offense because he'll have I, I more of an easier time. You would think. Yeah, I would agree. I'm, I'm expecting the numbers to look better, but that's why I need to see it a little bit more this year. Exactly. Like, I can't go out, go out on that limb right now and be like, oh, yeah, he's there. I mean, yes, the size is there. The arm strength is there, but I just got to see it. It's possible, but we haven't even seen a full season of the guy yet. So exactly. I think he's adequately just right about right in the middle of our list, and mm-hmm. we'll kind of see what happens. Yep. And then real quick, Mac, just to touch on some good old Midwestern brutes at running back. I think eventually two pros. I think Braylon Allen is I remember the first time I saw him and they said he was 17 and he was like and he was a guy who reclassified. I was like, "Bro, they don't make dudes like that for bat, for football. Like you see guys like that at basketball that are 17, but you don't see that like that for football. Braylon Allen's a freak. I had him at 20. Um you guys had him a little lower than me. I'm just so high on him, man. I think he's going to be awesome. Uh and I, I love Mo Ibrahim. I really hope that he can bounce back after last year. Uh, just touch on some of them good old Big Ten Midwestern boys that we know are going to run the ball into the ground this year. I mean, honestly, like we say, Braylon Edwards, this kid is – he is the prototypical Wisconsin back. I mean, they're going to run you to the ground, and they don't care what you think. They didn't even care if you know we're running the ball. They'll just keep dumping it down their throats. And, I mean, what he did last year after, like, through 180-plus carries, 1,300 yards is still really strong in the Big Ten. Even though they do play in the West, which is the weaker side, he still had an incredible year. I think the one area he does need to start improving a little bit on is catching the ball out of the backfield. He, he only had eight targets last year, so I think that's somewhere that he needs to address. But overall, as a running back, this kid is special. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see, Nick, if you want to touch on these guys at all real quick, go ahead. But I'm interested to see if uh, they use Allen more as he's now older and kind of develop that more in his game. I'm going to be interested to see how Wisconsin does that. Wisconsin as a team in general for me is really weird this year. I don't know what to gauge with them, but I do know Allen is – I'm excited to see how he progresses as uh, you know a year older, a legal adult per se. Uh, so it's gonna be exciting to see him continue Legal to grow. Huh? He's a he's a beast. Like he's a dude. My my comment next to him on my list was just I had him above Mo Ibrahim solely because of mass. Yeah, uh, he's he's a big dude, and he is a scary back for Wisconsin. And you know they've proven, like Max said, they're not afraid to have a bell cow back which is going to go a long ways. Uh, do I think Wisconsin's going to be that good? No, but they'll be good. They're always good in the Big Ten. They'll be up around that top heap, but it'll be because of him and because of what they've established as their identity. Yeah. As and then a- Mo Ibrahim, 
if he stayed healthy last year, probably would have been higher on this list. Yeah. Yeah. He would probably be top 15 if he stayed healthy. Injury knocks him down pretty significantly. Just got to wait and see if he can come back from it. Yeah. Dude, when he plays, he's a bowling ball. He is. Yeah. He is. Um, all right, 25 to 21. A couple more running backs in this list is, or in this portion as well. Good little healthy portion of everything. Uh, wide receiver from North Carolina, Josh Downs at 25. 24, Ohio State tackle, Paris Johnson. 23, running back at Alabama, transfer from Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs. 22, Syracuse running back, who will definitely be pleased that we have him here on this list, is Sean Tucker. And then 21, Jordan Battle, safety from Bama. Now, guys, you understand the whole pleased thing with Sean Tucker, right? When I say that, that joke doesn't fall on deaf ears? No, it does not. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. You guys no-sell it, so I want to make sure, because he is easily the most hilarious athlete on Twitter after every game. It is great. I love it. Uh, so we got a couple running backs, a, uh, a highly regarded tackle in Paris Johnson, uh, a safety in Jordan Battle, who for me last year was a little bit everywhere, I was, but I thought how he played at the end of the season – I was really impressed, so I, I'm really starting to buy into his stuff. And Josh Downs, I was gonna, we, we didn't mention it with At Perry, but I'm gonna mention it here with Downs, and it it falls with At Perry as well. I feel like they would be more helped out with, you know, obviously Sam Hartman leaving. UNC is gonna hurt a guy like Downs, and I've, uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, Sam, Sam Howell. Howell for UNC. Sam Hartman, unfortunate, the unfortunate uh, uh, news with him and his medical condition at Wake Forest. God hope that he can somehow be able to return to playing or at work. You know, you know. Obviously, we hope he just stays healthy. Uh, terrible news to hear that, and I think that's going to affect how Downs and Perry seasons play out. But I think Downs is a really good talent. And then I had Jameer Gibbs in my top twenty. Uh, you guys had him a bit lower. I think Jameer Gibbs is a stud, and I think he is going to really help complete Bama this year because even though Brian Robinson had some moments last year, and even if you look in camp for Washington, Robinson has, there's a lot of good things you hear from Brian Robinson as a pro, which got to love to hear that. Uh, they didn't really have the – they didn't trust running the ball enough in certain spots, and I think with a high-level playmaker like Gibbs – and I know Nick is a little lower on him than me, but I feel like Gibbs is a, is, an, is a star, and I think Gibbs really is going to make them dynamic. Gentlemen, Mac, you can go first. Uh, you're uh, talking about this group of five men, and, and I know both of you guys are really, especially you, Mac, high on uh, Syracuse running back Sean Tucker. Uh, and when you just look at the raw numbers with Tucker, too, I mean, they are – it's hard to deny him. It's hard to deny him. I will admit, like, I had Tucker lower around, like, 30, and I should have had him higher. So I'm glad we put him up in this area. But I think both Gibbs and Tucker are really high-level high level backs. Oh, they both are. I think Tucker, you can definitely make the argument that this, that guy is the reason why Syracuse probably stays in a lot more football games than they usually are, like, they're supposed to be in. Poor Dino uh, but I did, But I did want to touch on Josh Downs. We were talking about a wide receiver last year who caught over 100 balls. 
yes, he's not going to do that again. But even if he's like 70% of what he was last year, this dude's going to be the – like he could have a chance to be either the number one or number two wide receiver drafted in the next year's draft. Maybe. Possible. Could. It will be interesting to see, depending on what kind of numbers he puts up, even this year without Hartman. Uh, and I don't think Howell. that you – or without Howell, I'm sorry. They're both named Sam, and they both start with an H, bro. Uh, uh, and they're both play, and they play in the same damn division. Um, I, it'll be interesting for me to see how they – like how he looks numbers-wise. Because you're right, like, if he does put up another season where his numbers actually are gaudy compared, and I don't think North Carolina is going to be that good. Uh, tough year for Mac Brown um, incoming. You're right, he could very well vault up where it's like he could get into the – he could get into the – I wouldn't be shocked. He's, I wouldn't be shocked right now if he was in the discussion to be number two or three off the board. He would be – He'll. He's. he's right on the cusp of being in the ring with the three guys that we have rated ahead of him. Definitely, when it comes to the draft. Uh, Nick, uh, if you want to touch on – or you, uh, I'll let you have the floor here for this group of, uh, of five gentlemen, 25 to 21. Downs, Johnson, Gibbs, Tucker, and Battle. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, uh, I'll just kind of touch on Gibbs really quick. Uh, I had him at 31. I don't necessarily dislike him. I just think that him being more of a speed back versus a power back, which has been the – more prototypical Alabama formula. It just something doesn't feel right to me with him there. That's why I have him a little bit lower. That's fair. Uh, I would also just quickly touch on, uh, you know, got to give my offensive lineman here some love, Paris Johnson. I believe he is the highest rated offensive. No, he's the second highest offensive lineman we have rated. Highest tackle. So, yeah, highest tackle. He is the guy that's going to make the Ohio State offense tick. He is what keeps Trey Henderson and C.J. Stroud alive and well. So you got to give him the love, though. A lot of pe- if you re- actually like, if I like a part of some of the research obviously was looking at other lists, seeing where some guys had stuff ranked. You do that's how you do the research. The dis, what's the dislike towards Paris Johnson? On some of these lists was crazy. I don't know if you saw that, but some people had Johnson in like the 40s, the 50s. I'm like, y'all are wild. <laughs> Again, no, I think that kind of goes back to what we touched on earlier, where sometimes it's just really easy to discredit linemen as the best players in football. Like, yeah, if you don't look at, if you're not a guy like Quentin Nelson who jumps off the screen every single play, yeah, it's easy to look at him and be like, oh, he's not doing anything bad, but you're not noticing because he's not doing anything bad. Exactly. No, you're right. <laughs> that's, when you know you're, that's when you know they're doing good. There's nothing bad happening. Right. Like, <laughs> if you're watching them and you're like, oh, I haven't seen anything that, like, is good. That's that's what you want. Like, exactly. Um, making um, that a knock? Unless you just actually watch reps where you're only watching that guy. That's how. Right. Yep. Um, Let's see. Next group, 20 to 16 had some shuffling here so i gotta make sure i don't goof this up but i have faith in myself two golden domers back to back number 20 michael mayer tight end for notre dame number 19 Jarrett patterson center for notre dame this is going to be a high level discussion with number 18 nc state's devin leary the quarterback uh definitely leading uh 
in the group of best of the rest when it comes to quarterbacks in next year's draft. Uh, that because the next guy that we have ranked ahead of him is not eligible for next year's draft. We'll also have an interesting conversation about him. Number 17, defensive end Miles Murphy, a part of that vaunted defensive line for Clemson. And number 16, uh, Kayshawn Booty from Louisville, or excuse me, from LSU, the wide receiver uh, for the Tigers. So, Mayer, Patterson, Leary, Murphy, and Booty, the uh, 20 to 16 on this list, Mr. Pearson. Yep, so uh, we'll start off with Mayer. Uh, he'll be the first tight end taken. He'll be a first rounder, which you can always say is the president of the tight end. He is special. He, he is special. He is an incredible athlete. Had just under 1,000 yards receiving last year, over 70 catches as a tight end. So those numbers are going to go up. He's going to be incredible. He's going to have a big year, and then we'll be a first-round draft pick. Real, so, real quick question. Got to be there. Question about him. Um, what do you all think the difference is between him and guys like Komet and Tommy Tremble and the list of tight ends at Notre Dame that had good years and good tape, but it doesn't seem like they, you know, Tremble just really didn't, you know, seems like he didn't transition well. Komet is a, he's one of the best probably 32 tight ends in the league obviously he's I think he's a starting level tight end but I don't think he's great I think he's kind of middle more middle of the road I do agree though I think Mayer is really good but what do y'all think separates him from those other guys at the tight end position from Notre Dame over the last few years well I mean for one numbers are already he are his best year was this year he had 30 more catches than Komet's best year and almost 400 more yards so in terms of being a weapon downfield, he's better than what Komet showed. He might not be as high level of blocker as Komet, but he has shown to be very capable. So uh, that's where I think the difference is. Now, obviously, Notre Dame tight ends haven't exactly See, shown yet. So you never know. Any guy I'll, going in the NFL might be weird, but that's where I see that difference is at the moment. I want to piggyback off of what Nick's saying there. It's like you also got to remember like when Komet was there and all those other guys, they, they weren't tight ends weren't the number one targets for Notre Dame. No. So like Mayor being the guy he is, seventy catches, like I agree, it's gonna go up. And I think that right there in itself is enough to prove that he's gonna be it should be a first round pick because of that, and it will translate in the NFL. Mac, where did you have Mayor rank? Because I had him at twenty four and I know Nick had him close to top fifteen. I had him at seventeen. Okay, so you guys both no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I had Miles, him at 19. Yeah, I, I, had, him, I had him right at 15. Or right at, right next to Okay, guys. so you guys had him higher than me. I really like him, though. I think this is a great spot for him. Um, obviously, wanted to touch on Jarrett Patterson as well. Uh, look, I, again, Mac and I talked about it the other day, Nick. Uh, I think Notre Dame is going to be really good. I think one or two losses is on the ledger for them tops. Obviously, running the table for them would be shocking because if you told me that they went this year and beat Ohio State and Clemson, that would be bold and a year. A, a year, I do think they're going to beat Clemson. I think they're going to keep the Ohio State game interesting until Ohio State just at just outdudes them eventually. Uh, 
Uh, but I think they're really good, man, because I think when you look at last year's team, they were a little bit of ahead of schedule at certain spots because Brian Kelly talking about how he really, really liked that group and how he thought this year would be more of the year. But then obviously with Marcus Freeman coming in as the head coach, they love him. I, Nick and I were both kind of on expecting them to be pretty solid and pretty good. I think they're going to be great. Nick, real quick, do you have an opinion on what you think Notre Dame could be? Because I think they have an interesting variation. And we obviously have – I'm asking you this, too, because we've got four of their guys in the top 33 of this list. And, I and you know, I think that at the end of the year they're going to be one of the eight best teams in the, in the, in the sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you – Pretty much right on. They they should be very good. In the end, they're still Notre Dame, and we will see how it all plays out. Yeah. But their threat when you have this many guys in that top fifty, they're a threat. They have to be. It's a matter of how will the quarterback play out. Will that work? The defense is going to be great under Freeman. They have a great offensive line. They always do. Great tight end. We'll just see. Yeah. Yeah, they have to find ways to be better outside the margins or like on the margins. That's where they get that's where they get beat when they face that highest of level competition. Uh other guy in this group I wanted us to obviously talk about is Devin Leary. Uh Mac. I want you both. Mac you go first then Nick after. Cuz I there's there's juice with him I'm buying. Obviously, I mean, I ranked him 18th and this is where he is. And I think you guys both had him right around here. I think a little, maybe even a little higher. Yeah, I, I had him at 13, just behind Caleb Williams. Yep. But I think Leary is probably the most projectable quarterback coming out of this draft. That's not going to come out for the draft next year. That's not a slight to Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I think they're, those two guys are going to be the most dynamic and the, probably the most successful. But I think if you just look at what Devin Leary is, he is the most projectable player you'll see that quarterback position. Just, you know, he has the intangibles. And then the stats last year back it up. I mean, the guy went out and threw almost 3,500 yards, 35 to 5 TD to interception ratio with a 157 rating. Like, this guy can ball out. He'll carry NC State this year. And I think that's why NC State, in my mind, is probably the favorites now to win the ACC. They are, they are good, and he is he – is... His numbers in general and like what he does for a team like that, very staggering. Nick, you know I trust you more than almost anybody when it comes to quarterback talk. So this is your moment. Wolf of Wall Street me. Sell me this pen when it comes to Devin Leary. And I, I really don't think I need to say anything. Mac was pretty much spot on. I, I have no disagreements there. So what's the point in repeating it? That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Just wanted to see if you wanted to add anything else. No, with him. No, he had it. I'm going to be interested to see, though, and I'm sure you'll agree here, Nick and Mac, as well. I, I'm really interested to see now, this year, you come off a year where you, you're really good. A lot of people think you can win 10-plus games, which will only be the second time in program history. You beat Clemson last year. People think you can do it again. Be favorites to win the ACC. Go to a New Year's Six Bowl, all that. I want to see how good he does where they have high expectations. I'm really interested to see that. That's the one thing with a team like this and a quarterback that a lot of people think can be good in NFL level, it's it's interesting to see where that gap kind of, you know, 
where the ceiling meets the floor, or the floor meets ceiling, or you know, however you would want to put it, in this situation, where where do those roads cross uh, when it comes to them living up to the hype and them maybe being a little less impressive? But is that because he has a subpar year, things like that? That's what I'm most interested to see with him and this team uh, when it when we get when we get going. But yeah. But for them as a team in general, I mean, the road for them is there because, like, their non-conference is a freaking walk in the park. Like, there's – they go – like, they could easily be, like, undefeated going into that Clemson game in week, like, six, week seven. So there's a real chance for them to be – and they were, what, Mac, preseason ranked, like, 13th in the AP? Um, let me pull it up real quick. So the juice is there on these guys. I just want to know what it's like. Like, at what point? At what point? I want to see how they how they react and how he reacts. Like, if he's that kind of guy, then I want to see him have the kind of moment like C.J. Stroud last year in the Rose Bowl, where he knew they his team couldn't get stopped, so he had to go to another level to win. Or like Bryce Young when down ten three, backed up on your own five, and I'm just going to will this team who doesn't even give a shit about this game in Aub- against Auburn. I'm going to will this team by myself down the field to get us this, to, to keep us alive. Like, I want to see him have those kind of moments. I'm, so I'm, I'm excited to see that with him. Uh, and that's where I'm at with Devin Leary. Moving on. Uh, unless you guys uh, have anything. Quick, before, yeah, go before ahead. Before we go ahead. Uh, move on, can I touch on? I just want to touch on Keishon Boutte because I – I love him. I think he is probably the third best receiver coming into this year, but I am worried that we might have overrated him. Go on. Because he is now officially two ankle surgeries in on that side. And receivers with ankle injuries, especially ones that have been surgically operated on twice, have historically not been able to live up to what we think they can. He is special, but I am worried about that ankle being able to hold up for a full season to be able to live up to where we have him. Are you more worried about him in a sense of this season or when you start to see him at the next level? Both. That's a fair answer as well. (laughs) Because he had two surgeries within the last month to try he had seizing-ending surgery, then he had another surgery on it after to clean it all up again. So I just don't love it. Obviously, I could just be seeing that, hey, he had two surgeries on that ankle, and coming from my profession, I'd never like to see two surgeries. But I just worry that because of those, and especially being more recent, we might have overrated him, but in terms of raw ability, I don't see how you can't have him up there. Yeah, no, I'm with it. Yeah. If there's anything more than quarterback talk, I'm going to trust you about. It's going to be, you know, how where a guy is medically. That's for damn sure. And then we're going to obviously talk to Mac about how they view the world and social issues and things like that. <laughs> that's where all of our expertises are in, right? Was that too all soon? It's expertise. Smart enough. What? Are, what's, like, why are we experts? Why are we at? Why are we? <laughs> so there's a reason that ignorance is in this podcast name. Yeah, that's fair. Exactly. Yeah, we are. We are not. Yeah, we are definitely more ignorant than educated. 
Like that is that's like, okay. That is an absolute fact. Um. All right. Accidentally bumped my work computer on. All right. Let's roll on fifteen to eleven. Yeah, eleven. That's how this works. Yep. Fifteen. Noah Sewell from Oregon, the linebacker. Fourteen. Dallas Turner, Bama defensive end. 13, Caleb Williams, quarterback for USC. We'll get to him in a moment. 12, Deuce Vaughn, Kansas State running back. And number 11, the man who had the last big play of last year's college football season, Keely Ringo, the corner from Georgia. All right, 15 to 11. Mr. Fulton, the floor is yours to start this portion of the list. Okay, so I'm going to put this out there before I dive into any of those five. If we were, if Sam Hartman wasn't hurt, this is probably where I would have had Hartman rated Great. going into the season. Great point. Nick, where would you have had Hartman? Do you have an idea? Mm, right around here. He would, him and Leary would have probably been right next to each other, right around then. So it would be, he would either be right here, he would have been in the next section. Like, either way, right around this area, yeah. Probably for me, too. So that means I would have had him around Leary, but above Caleb Williams. We'll get to that in a moment. Mac, um, y- uh, your thoughts other uh, than the Sam Hartman take? So of this I would say um, anybody that's not named Caleb Williams, because I know we're going to talk about them here soon, Deuce Vaughn for Kansas State. This kid as a sophomore torched his competition. He ran for over 1,400 yards and had 22 touchdowns from scrimmage last year. 22. You don't see that out of the running back position. Like that. You don't see that kind of production anymore. Um, this kid is only going to grow. And he is their workhorse for Kansas State. He is the reason why they win football games. So, like, I would not be shocked if you don't see his rushing attempts go up to, like, 250 and has 1,600, 1,700 yards this year. Yeah, I'm with you on Vaughn. He's he's awesome. Nick, you want to go real quick before on uh, any of the other four before we talk about Caleb? I mean, we can just talk about Keely Ringo real quick. I mean, he's the best corner in football coming into this year in college and is rated as such. I mean, he's special. The fact that you're uh, the only DB within top 15, there's a reason that you're there. And he showed it last year in the playoff, and he showed it last year all season. Yeah, and for us, I mean, the next closest DB would be Battle. We don't have another corner until, what, Eli Ricks okay. at 37? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. But, Joe, here you go. I'll let you have your time to talk about your favorite player on this list. Caleb Williams? Dallas Turner. Oh, Dallas and Turner. And me and Mac will take turns destroying it. Okay, so <laughs> you guys – all right. What, what if I, I I could just bury your guys' lead right away and tell them why you have Turner lower than me? Look, I. But what's al- the fun in that? I almost Rel- put- relatively destroy it because we both don't don't make it. We're not going to make it sound like me and Mac are going to destroy it because me and Mac both have him in the twenties. You just had him not there. <laughs> I had him seven. I almost had him two. <laughs> almost. Okay. I understand what your guys' take will be. Here's my thing with just watching Dallas Turner. His, like, his tape is stupid good. And I just remember watching games at the end of last season and watching him make plays, and they're like, yeah, this true freshman. 
and he's just flying around. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? He's so good, and I just love everything he does. I know he's on the opposite end of, obviously, the guy, but I think Turner is an absolute game-changer. Would it be as good for him if he was more of a one-man band? Maybe not. Maybe he it wouldn't look as pretty because he probably wouldn't have the advantages of, you know, being on the weaker side to make make some some noise happen. Uh, but obviously, we'll get to see that next year because Will will be gone and he will be the he will be the guy as a true junior. Um, I just really like Turner a lot, man. There's so many things that pop for me as a true edge guy. I do think I I would like to see him though. You know, fill out the body a little more. Obviously, he's he's ripped and has you know a good look on him. But when you think of just like the the he doesn't have maybe the the height and the length of a guy like Will Anderson. But when you just look at the measurables, maybe they're a little bit under when you would compare him to other high end edge rushers. But just the stuff when I just see his tape, man, it just pops. I just I can't get enough of it. It is extremely high level stuff. But uh. You guys can go ahead and destroy it. It's fine. My love for Dallas Turner. It's okay. Look, I will just I'm live in a is, Dallas Turner both of our, world. We're going to put this out there. Like We both like Dallas Turner. We both think he's a phenomenal football player. It's nothing against him in that, in that way. It's just I can't justify putting him at you know two, three, or four when most of his production comes at the fact that he gets more single – one on one, when Will Anderson out there gets you know double covered and sometimes triple covered, like so, like you're going to make more plays when that happens. Okay, yeah, no, you're not. Look again, I get it, I do get it. Um, it's kind of like who did we have the uh, we had this comparison with, but somebody else on the list for a different position. But uh, look, it's just I don't. It's why I don't. Like, I understand the production, it has something to do with it, but when I just look at him as a player, that's why I have him so high on the list. Maybe I should probably, if I added production with how high of a ceiling I think he had, that would probably bring me down closer to where you guys have him instead of where I think he is. Uh, but that's, no, that's why I have him, had him as high as I did. All right, let's get to the Caleb Williams portion. Unless, Nick, you wanted to add anything on, on Dallas Turner. Nope, okay. all good. <laughs> uh Okay, so I'm, I want to go first here because I have him lower than you guys, and I want to maybe more defend, again, defend my uh, take here to an extent, but this is why. And it's not me no-selling Caleb Williams because the peaks, because, again, if you listen to the pop we did the other day, Matt, I mean, ask Mac, Mac, you know I love USC this year. I think you do too to mm -hmm. an extent, right? Nick? Yeah, I said, like I said, it was 10-2 and two or bust. Yeah. Um, oh. I, I, we, we broke it down. I, did, I, I said I don't think it's that or bust, but I do think they have the ceiling. I think they're awesome. Nick, real quick, do you have an opinion on whether you like, dislike, love, or hate USC? I know Mac and I made the joke of we hated them as kids, but now it's like we love them because Lincoln's there and they're back and all that stuff. I like Lincoln. I like their quarterback they have now. I love their quarterback coming in. Yep. Uh, not this year, but next year. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard that train. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, Caleb Williams, here's the thing. So, the peaks of the Caleb Williams roller coaster are insanely good. Looked like 
the Texas game, his first start against TCU, all of those things high level. The troughs, though, the low points are grossly bad. The Kansas game, the Baylor game, moments like that that were very underwhelming and like, ugh, okay. Uh, but, but as a true freshman, you have those kinds of things. I think there's a lot of pop for him as a college quarterback. I really don't think I see it when it comes to him as an NFL quarterback, and I think that's, again, kind of with how I originally had K.J. Jefferson lower, uh, but I love K.J. as a college QB, but I had him so low on my original list. I think when it comes to quarterbacks, it's hard for me. Like I can separate the two, but sometimes I can't when it comes to ranking them against everybody else. Uh for Caleb, I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Because um, you guys had him either in the top 10 or just outside of it. I had him, I think, at 23. 23. Um, and it's, again, because of the I, – I, there's a lot of stuff I love about him. And with a year older, I do think there's going to be things that – he obviously is going to get better at a lot of stuff. There's going to be more of those high moments and less of those low moments. I would just love to see him kind of be able to hit a middle ground where – you don't have the crazy highs, but also the dramatically bad lows. Uh, that's where I'm at with Caleb Williams. And again, I think the fact that I don't think he's much of an NFL prospect is why I probably had him lower as well. Because sometimes, again, for quarterbacks, it's just hard for me to separate that. And that's a, that's on me. But look, again, I love this USC team. Nick, and I, I think Caleb Williams can be really, really good this year. And obviously next year, I think, is the year for them to be very special. Uh, this year is fun because it's like the team of mercenaries and all these guys and Lincoln's here to take everyone by storm and USC's here to kick your door down, etc. This year it's going to be fun to watch for that for that sense and Caleb will progress. Uh, but that's why I have Caleb lower than you guys. Nick, you can go ahead first with uh, with Mr. Williams. Yeah, so for me, I had Caleb at nine, and that's because I look at a quarterback last year that came in as a true freshman in an extremely volatile situation after Rattler gets benched, basically, after being viewed as potentially the best quarterback in the entire nation. People thought he was going to so go first back last year, him. man. So dumb. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're the backup to the guy that's pre like early predicted to be the number one quarterback in the country. You then are able to come in, play in 11 games, and throw 21 touchdowns, four picks. You are now more comfortable. You're with the same coach. You're in a different place, but you're with the same coach. You have added in a top two, probably, receiver in the country. You have added in another top 50 running back. You have added all these things. I see that step up. I don't necessarily agree with you on not seeing the professional side of it. Because I think while he is not a number one overall prospect, I see I've seen enough in his true freshman year to think that there is some potential there, and I want to see more of it. No, I but, I, I get that. My thing is, I guess it's more of like for now, I need to see the consistencies and the decision making and things like that. Uh, there was just some bad taste, like for me trying to evaluate him as a, like NFL guy. Just moments like that Kansas game, especially that game, but the Baylor oh, game as well. I, like, I agree with you. Those were the moments where it was like, man. And I know I had – it's again, it's a true freshman. So for me, it's different. 
and I'm trying not to grade on a curve, and I don't want to be too harsh. But those are the reasons why I'd lower. And I'm okay to admit, like, I probably have him too low. But And I'm okay, obviously, with us moving him up and evening him out to this point. But go ahead. And I agree, too, with you saying, like, yeah, the Kansas game was bad. But it's not just a true freshman. It's a true freshman that was never supposed to be the guy. No, he wasn't. And you're, you're, you're 100% right. So, like, he went into Oklahoma thinking, all right, I've got a year to learn everything. And all of a sudden, you're in it. You're in the shit. You're in the trenches. And you have to try and learn as you go. And, yeah, there were bad spots. But there were bad spots when Justin Herbert was a freshman. There were bad spots for everybody that freshman year, that first year. That's why it's up to us to view it and be like, all right, everything was there. He added all these pieces. This is where he's at, in my mind. Nope, and that's a thousand percent the adult take. So I do think I probably have him too low. I also, again, like I said, I admitted when I think of him potentially as an NFL guy, look, there's a really high chance that by week four or five and they're four and oh, five and oh, and they're rolling and stuff looks juiced, and I'm like, all right, yep, Caleb Williams is that dude, and I'm seeing it. There's absolutely that possibility. Um, just for right now, like that's why I had him lower. Um, but obviously, you know, I feel like it's better to have a take and admit that you're willing to be flexible on it than just to stand on something ignorantly. So that's why I'm willing to, 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 you know, be up and down with it. Mac, you want to go ahead and add anything else on, uh, on Caleb? Uh, I kind of agree with Nick here. I think another thing I want to add, like you're going to have another year with him under Lincoln Riley. So it's like, he doesn't have to change his offense or anything like that. He's, he's literally transferring into something that's familiar to him. You should expect the next step. And, I mean, I, I really like what Caleb Williams brings to the table. Uh, being a dual threat, he runs the ball very well out of the backfield. I mean, all he has to do is be above average kind of passer. and be fine. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I do feel like if there will be a few points this year where he will have to be the reason they win um, and to drag them, like, out of a shitty spot. Uh, I won't be shocked if they have, like, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, week, I think week two or three, whatever, they, not the Fresno State game, but even, like, either the Fresno State game or the Stanford game, like, one of those games, I wouldn't be shocked if it's kind of weird and they have to have a moment where he is that dude, where he looks like that dude, you know, and it's like, oh, all right, this is the moment where, like, he was, where there was no more doubting his floor, it's only wondering how high the ceiling is. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, I, I think there definitely could be a moment like that in one of those first few games for this team that we believe has all the potential in the world of, you know, like we said, the team of mercenaries and how fun it is. But there's these early games, like the Stanford game potentially, obviously that Fresno State game because they're tough as, as nails, where things could get a little ugly and they have to have that type of special moment from him to get them over the edge to win the game. So I'm excited to see that early in the year with him. All right, anything else on this group of five before we uh, move on to our top ten? We're in the top ten. Look at us. Nope. All right. Everything I want to say has been said. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing else. All right. Ten to six. Number ten, Clemson defensive tackle Brian Breesy. Potential top five pick. Potential higher than that pick. Uh... If I'm not mistaken, Nick, this year he's a is he draft eligible this year or is he only a sophomore? 
No, he's going into his junior year. He's going into his junior year, right? Okay, yeah. So, yeah, he will definitely be one of the first five guys taken off the board, I would think, more than likely. Uh, love love what he has. Number nine, Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff winner, uh, the man who Pat Narduzzi has an uh, annexed to Puerto Rico, does not think he exists anymore. The USC wide receiver, pit transfer Jordan Addison, Number eight, Travion Henderson, the Ohio State running back transfer, or not transfer, but uh, last year, excuse me, as a true freshman, dynamic season, instantly arrived week one, had some big moments. I think it was week four or three. They played Tulsa at home. They had just lost to Oregon, and the game was ugly, and then they put the game on Henderson's shoulders, and he carried them out out of the water to drag them across the finish line. Henderson is an elite, elite player uh, and our second highest rated running back on this list. Number seven, our top rated wide receiver consensus, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the top rated receiver on this list, Jackson Smith and Jigba of Ohio State. Of course, we all remember what he did in the Rose Bowl last year, the absolutely stupid performance against Utah, 300 plus yards, three, uh, I believe three touchdowns. He had an absolutely ridiculous game. And of number six, Nick's favorite player in the world, he labeled him as weapon. And you're goddamn right he is. Brock <laughs> Bowers, the sophomore from Georgia, the tight end. Let's not forget, he was our consensus number six. He and yeah. consensus number six player, yes. Uh, so, so number 10, Brian Breesey. Number nine, Jordan Addison. Number eight, Trey Henderson. Number seven, Jackson Smith and Jigba at number six, Brock Bowers. And for those wondering, wait a minute, yeah, Bowers up here, why'd you say Mer- Mike Mayer is going to be the tight end one in the draft next year? Obviously, it's because Brock Bowers is not draft eligible. So, let's start. Um, uh, Mac, floor is yours. You can go wherever you want, uh, with whoever you want. Though, I would like to let you say Brock for Nick to start. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not, I won't. Touch, I won't touch Brock because that's his child. You know, he he, he uh, nourishes for for Brock Bowers. You can talk about your Ohio State boys if you want. I'll let you have the floor man. here. All right. Well, one JSM, I think, is by far the most dynamic wide receiver out in this of this group. I, I think having him at seven is pretty. It's it's pretty good spot for him coming off a season that he did with you know ninety five catches and over sixteen hundred yards. Uh, the dude was a menace to defense secondaries, and he put it on display, especially at that Rose Bowl game. Uh, Travion Henderson, I this kid is one of the fastest running backs I've ever seen. Um, as a freshman, he put up huge numbers. I think the most memorable game for him was opening. Thursday night against Minnesota. The Ohio State, they were struggling all game, and then you have that one, you get shot out of them again and goes like 60 yards on them. And I'm like, oh, this kid's going to be something. Yeah, that was good. Like I said, that Tulsa game, too, he was special. Uh, I had Jackson Smith and Jigba rated third on this list. Uh, obviously, our, our top wide receiver. Jordan Addison, though, Nick, not far behind. Addison, we had kind of all in an extremely close spot as well. Uh, I think Nick, you had him ten. Mac had him eight. I had him ninth. I think I got that right. Nope. I had him eight. 
You had him eighth. I had Mac him nine. You had him ten. Then I had him ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Uh, but we all think he's really high level. Um, but obviously, this is the moment for Nick to talk about his big baby boy, Brock Bowers. Yeah. So, is the only thing I need to say, like, he's one of maybe four tight ends in the entire world that teams will draw up jet sweeps for. <laughs> it's something. Put the ball like, in his hands, man. He is different, bro. He is a true freshman who came into what was the best team in the country last year and had 56 catches for just under 900 yards as a tight end. And I say that because he still lines up as a tight end on the line, hand down, mauls people, but then is also capable of catching literally anything and housing it at any time. Uh, He's a ridiculous athlete. He is terrifying. Um, I, yeah, I like him a lot. <laughs> I will be incredibly interested to see where he gets drafted. Uh, we all thought Kyle Pitts coming out, going six, was wild. Uh, at this point in time, wouldn't be shocked if Bowers goes higher. Pitts went fourth, um, didn't he? Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Well, I got it. I understood it. It was wild that a team like Atlanta that but, had so many holes took a tight end <laughs> four, but you're right. Right, like, and I'm, I'm just like, I see him in that same range of like, he is a different kind of athlete for the tight end position. Exactly. Like, and, if anyone's going to break the mold again, like Pitts did, which Pitts, now granted, as Nick Pearson's favorite stat, uh, at, even though Kyle Pitts has not scored a touchdown on American soil, <laughs> it's the greatest stat of all time. Yeah, uh, but that's not his fault. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Pitts absolutely was the kind of guy that was worth taking in that spot because of how good he is. Like, he is awesome. And I think yeah, Bowers... still had 1,000 yards. Exactly. I mean, he, he was wild. Bowers is going to be that type of dude that is going to be worth breaking a type of mold to take in the top six or seven pending on the draft next, like, not this upcoming season, uh, not next spring, but the spring after. It's going to be very interesting to see that. Uh, I wanted to touch on um, Brees and Addison, obviously. Addison is interesting because I think going into last year, not many of us would have had him this high. Uh, but you have the year you have last year, a part of the Kenny, Picking Co- Kenny Pickett coming out party. He was sensational. The ridiculous – controversy between him leaving Pitt and everyone thought knew it was going to be USC. Then there was like a 10-minute stretch of life where we thought it was going to be Texas, and then it still ended up being USC, and Pat Narduzzi is still pissed about it, though he will tell you he's not. He's defi- He will yeah, tell Pat you Narduzzi he's, get over it. he's not mad about it, but Pat Narduzzi is mad about it. Um, like I said, man, if there was tampering charges in college football, this would be the most blatant ever offense for it. Ever. Yeah, ever. But, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. His quarterback's gone. Let him go to a place where he can excel again. 100%. He is special. I want to ask this question real quick to you guys. Other – okay. Outside of Jamison Williams, if he didn't get hurt in the natty, in the natty if, Jack, if Jackson Smith and Jigba was draft eligible last year, would he have gone first out of the receivers or – 
would you still have had him probably behind J-Mo? Because I think we all had J-Mo first as the wide receiver. Would you guys have put him ahead of Jamison uh, pre – obviously he fell just a little bit. Granted, he still went 12th or, th- or 13th to Detroit. But saying, like, would you have ranked him ahead of Jamison Williams if – and I'm pretty sure – am I right on saying both of you guys had Jamison as your number one receiver? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think – so I, I I would put Jason probably if you would have been able to come out over him. Okay, I was because I think the like I I I was obviously a huge Jamison Williams guy. I think all those receivers, by the way, though that went top twelve last this last year: Drake, Garrett Wilson, uh, Olave, uh, Jamo. Obviously, Jamo maybe not as much this year because they'll only play probably half the year. But all those guys I love. I think they are super super duper stars. They are savages. Um, but I think JSN is that guy as well. I'm interested to see Jordan Addison. Like, obviously, USC this year, you could have a huge year and then be that guy as well at the next level. Uh, but, Nick, with the way wide receivers are getting drafted now, it seems, you know, it's much more acceptable to have these like these type of players be recognized for what kind of difference they make in an offense. Way, over, oh, way overdue, but it's a, it's – so a guy like Addison absolutely could be a top 15, top 10 pick next year. Yeah, especially if you look and see who, where the draft ends up and who ends up where. I mean, you're always looking for that number one guy. All so right. We had five taken, top 15 this year, four or five. Yep. Off the top of my head, I can't remember the exact number, but it's, it's going to be like that every single year as the offenses adapt and evolve more and more. That's what we're going to keep on getting. Six in the top 18, four in the top 12. That was the – That's what it was. Yep. Because you had, obviously, the big guns, Drake, and then that run of Wilson, Olave, and Williams. And, and then, then uh, Burke John Burks. And then Jahan Dotson went – uh, to Washington, Burks went to Tennessee. That was the first round of receivers. Bunch of dudes. Um, Bunch of guys being dudes. Yep, I love those top four. All right, the nitty gritty, the top five. Number five, Jalen Carter, highest rated defensive player on this list. I think. I think. I think consensus as well. No, second highest defensive player rating. Or yeah, let's be real here. Second highest, excuse me, sorry. Second highest consensus rated defensive player, um, Jalen Carter. We all had him ahead of Brian Breesey. So highest rated D-tackle, Georgia defensive tackle. Number four. And part of that's based on just health. Yep. No, I, I, uh, I understand that with you on that. Number four, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback. Number three for us, consensus number one running back, Bijan Robinson, Texas. If I'm not mistaken, or did Mac? Did you have him higher than Trey? I know I had I had Henderson over him. Okay, my apologies. So let me redo that. Carter, second highest DT lineman, highest D tackle. Stroud, consensus QB two. Robinson, mine and Nick's. If I'm not uh, mine and Nick's RB one. Max RB two. Bryce Young, number two, Bama quarterback, consensus QB1. Also consensus, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you guys both had him second. I had him fourth. We'll get into that. But the man, the king of the hill, 
consensus number one, top defensive player, consensus number one player on this list. He probably would have been consensus number one last year as well. Uh, he at least was at the end of the season. He was the best player in college football last year. He's the best player in college football this year. He's going to be the future number one pick, depending on who has the number one pick. Will Anderson, Bama edge defender. Gentlemen, let's start. Uh, we can go on all these guys. Jalen Carter, obviously a, a force inside for that Georgia defense. Losing a lot, but you bring a guy like him back. It's nice to stable off. You have him. You have Nolan Smith as well. Uh, a lot's going to be expected, though, from Carter. I had him at nine. You guys both had him, if I'm not mistaken, top three, correct? Three. Yeah. I had him three. Yep. Um, so, real quick, you guys want to talk about him, and then we'll go into the uh, – we'll talk about B. John Robinson real quick, then we'll talk about the two QBs, and then obviously Will Anderson. So, any comments on Jalen Carter? I think uh, the only thing I have to say about Carter is I think he's going to fill the role of, like the Jordan Davis of that line where he's going to be more of the anchor this year and you'll start seeing him like explode. His stats will explode. Nick? Yep. So for me, it's stats don't jump off the page, but he's a D lineman. Stats don't need to jump off the page. Him and Jordan Davis together were monsters. It made everybody else on that defense flow. Him alone, he'll still be able to do that and he'll be what Jordan Davis was last year, a freak. Yeah. And that's why I've got him at three. I agree. And, again, I had him I had him at nine, but, again, I, we all are on Carter. Uh, number uh, – we had number three, Bijan Robinson. I had him at number two on the list. Nick, you had him at four, I believe? Correct. And then Mac had him down at eight. Or nine? Seven, or yeah. Seven, seven. Uh, I had him at two just because I think he is skills of Reggie Bush, but in, like, Jonathan Taylor's body. Like, he is the entire package. He absolutely is one of the more safe bets. If you would bet on the Heisman, the problem, though, is will Texas be good enough? I think they'll – I think they'll be good enough uh, – to be uh, for him to be a legitimate Heisman finalist, um, he has all of the skills. He's gonna be easily a top ten pick next year. If anyone questions it, they are just off of their rocker. I don't care about the running backs; don't matter. Crowd. I think if you live in that world, you're an idiot. Absolutely, Robinson is gonna be a top ten level pick next season. He is special, special, Nick. Um, like you watch his tape, and if you just don't see it, he he could have been a top ten pick if he got went into this last draft, top fifteen, if he was in this draft class. I I would say like he's ridiculous. He is special. The only caveat I would throw on to him being a top fifteen pick is if Texas comes out and runs the wheels off of him. Uh, yeah, that's we'll see fair. What happens? <laughs> that's fair. But yeah, no, he's special. That's why I had him where I did. Uh, he deserves to be there. If you look at a guy and you're like, yeah, he's not a consensus favorite, but he is one of the consensus top threes, he deserves to be here. He's special. He does everything. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He blocks. He runs incredibly hard. He's got good speed. He, he is the whole package. Agreed. Uh, Mac, any comments on Mr. Robinson? No, I, I don't. 
I don't have an issue with him being up here. I, I think the biggest concern would be his wear and tear. I know he had some injury issues last year. Um, so just him need to be staying on the field the whole season, just the number one thing we have to look out for. So the two quarterbacks next. I had C.J. Stroud five and Bryce Young four. You both had Bryce Young two, and I think, Nick, did you have C.J. third? Or no, you I had, had Carter, Stroud five. You had, you had Carter third, Stroud five, because B. John was four. Mac, you had C.J. third, correct? Correct. So here's the thing about these two. If you would have told me at this point last year, would I have had them here? Hell no. If you would have told me at about week eight last year, would I have had these two guys here? No. But the stuff they did throughout the end of the year, what they were doing in each game, the throws they were making, the poise they had, I mean, again, talk about it, which what I hope I'm going to see this year with like a Devin Leary in one of these games that is going to be on the ropes but a game you would think that they should win. You need and same for like USC with Caleb Williams. Like I want to see those special moments. For Ohio State, go watch the Rose Bowl. The throws he made in the second half. Um, I'm sure Mac will tell tell us uh, another Ohio State game that I'm pro. I feel like there's one that I'm missing where he was ridiculously special in where things were kind of you know, maybe mulling around a bit, but they had a lot of games where, you know, they were punting people around last year. Like the Michigan State game, he went nuts. The Penn, uh, the Penn State game was a rough start, and then he was a little uh, – he helped good uh, helped out in the second half, but Trey Henderson was really good against, uh, against Penn State. Uh, the Purdue game, Stroud was awesome. The Michigan game, other than Stroud, I don't think they had many high, ho- high spots in that game because the defense sucked. But the Rose Bowl, he was great. And the – the Bryce Young, the Bryce Young game was the was the Iron Bowl. He was awesome. They won that game because he said, "I'm not letting this team lose." That last drive was all time tape level stuff. The Georgia game, where he's making throwing absolute darts against the best defense in the country, one of the best all time in the sport, and then in the national title game, they lost. In spite of him being great, he was Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Bucks, where nothing is going right. A bunch of my important players are hurt. I'm putting, I'm basically handing balls to dudes 40 yards downfield, and they're dropping them and not making plays. He was so good in the. I did a complete 180 on Bryce Young because early in the year I didn't get it. I thought a lot of the stuff they did, they schemed well for him. But then at the end, it was just undeniable with some of the stuff that he did, like the Arkansas game uh, as well. There were some lows for him last year, like the LSU game. I didn't think he was great. But there were so many moments where it was like, all right, we need you to be to be that guy for us. And he was. Uh, and that's why I have them both here. I was a little shocked that we all had Bryce over CJ because a lot of people actually have CJ over Bryce. Um, I, I – I'm okay with putting them almost tied. The The reason, obviously, we have B. John between them is because I love B. John so much. I had him so high. Uh, and, obviously, there were a couple guys as well between him and between the two of them, between me and Nick. But I had them four and five, and, obviously, we all had them relatively together. They're all they're both awesome. 
They're definitely – like, if it happens, and I think it very well could, they will be the first two guys taken in next year's draft. Mac, we'll start with you, then go to Nick. Talk about these two gentlemen that sling the skin uh, around the yard in C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. I think the best way to put it between these two guys is you're literally splitting hairs. Either way you go, you're getting a superstar out of them. Yep. Um, you can't go wrong like with said, either guy. Yeah, I, it, it's so that's the most true statement you can really say about these two guys. Uh, to start talking about Shroud, this kid is more of your pro. Like out of the two, he's more of the prototypical quarterback. He plays more out of a. Ryan Day does very well to get him into like a more of a pro style offense. Um, so I think that's going to help him going into next year. Uh, to touch on some of the games like last year, his the Rose Bowl performance was by far the most insane performance. You know, leaving the game with 573 yards, but he had a stretch last year after that Tulsa game where he went. And just went 330, 406, 266, 305, 405, 361, 432. Like, it's insane, like, the kind of the numbers that he was able to rattle off midway through the season to get Ohio State back on track after that Oregon game, which no fault to his own. Like, he kept them in that Going against Florida egg in Gainesville, he just showed up. He did enough to get the game, get by, and then he just started rattling off performance after performance like he needed to. And I think that was exactly the reason why he won the highest last year. Yeah, I agree. He definitely deserved it, though. Obviously, I would have loved to see Will Anderson or Jordan Davis win it, but, hey, we can't all get what we want. Nick, my quarterback guy. Bryce and CJ, man, it's such a razor thin. Again, like I said, I was shocked that we both had him in that order. But, again, I feel like you can't go wrong with either guy going into this college football season with where you have them rated. Yep. So, you guys, everything you guys have said is correct, and I agree with 100%. The only thing I want to say is anybody listening to this, if you are talking to somebody about college football and about these two quarterbacks, and you hear either of them say they are good because of their legs, I want you to stand up, slap them, and walk away. It's so – it's such a – it's just an uninformed take. Yeah. It's, it's like, a terrible take because both of those guys have negative yards rushing. They hate running. That's, that's what I'm saying. These guys are both <laughs> extremely athletic, but these are not guys that are looking to run the ball. These are both true 100% fucking quarterbacks. They want to sit back, dissect you, and dice you the fuck up, and they can both do it perfectly. You're right. Bryce's IQ and like the the like 4D chess stuff that he does, that's why I love him so much. The only thing I'm worried about when it comes to the NFL for uh for Bryce is like will there be a p- possibility of the size being an issue? Meh, maybe. He's just at this point size in the NFL. People have we've had enough great quarterbacks I, come I, I in agree. that I'm not so worried about the size. I'm not. I just either. wanted to make it make my point known that if you are talking to somebody about college football and especially about these two quarterbacks, and somebody tries to make that point to you, stop listening. To them. You are wasting your time talking to that person. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> My thing, too, like, and this is more catered to Bryce than CJ. Uh, the, the the size thing, real quick, with Bryce is more of uh, not height and, you know, it's more he just, I wish he had a little more, like, the body filled out more. Like, I think yeah. his height-wise good, but I think eventually over time maybe that'll fill out more. The thing I love so much about Bryce is, like, he carries himself. Like, that's a dude that you know will go to the next level and have a locker room behind him. Like, so much shit went sideways for them in the Natty, and they still should have won. <laughs> like, we love Stetson and the balls he had to, to have that fourth quarter that he did. But so much shit went sideways for for Bam and the Natty, and he and they almost pulled it off. And Bryce and I was think just making shit happen. Uh, building off of what you're saying, like the locker room is behind him. Like, look what happened after Bryce threw that last pick of the game. Mm-hmm. Just look how that team responded to him. Like that team, you you wouldn't have the locker room if they were responding that way. Like yeah. they were right there picking him up instantly. Knowing that they lost the game, like that mistake pretty much sealed it. But like they were right there, like they didn't care. Like Bryce is their guy. Like he got out of there. And the Auburn game, down ten nothing for what felt felt like seven hours. That Uh, team wanted no business of winning that game, and he and the like. Obviously, shout out to Tank Bigsby for allowing them to win that game. But uh, all jokes aside, like. Bryce Young basically said, screw it, we're winning, and I don't care what anybody else says. That last drive against Auburn is that moment. It was like, I was like, all right, I'm sold. Like, you cannot get me off this hill with this dude. And is he my favorite prospect ever? No, no. I have There's ones that I have a lot more hype behind when it comes to the quarterback position. But – He's up there, and I. it's not for the reasons that I would love a guy like a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields coming in, and I'm not just saying that with Fields because he's on the Bears. It's also because if you know me at all, I said for years before they even got drafted that Fields and Lawrence were two of the best quarterbacks already you know, on planet Earth, not just draft college quarterbacks-wise. These two guys, I don't think they're at that level. I don't exactly know what they'll be as pros, but I definitely think they have – mainstays as starters in the league, especially Bryce, just because of all the intangibles with he has, as well as the arm talent, as well as what they do when it comes to, to all all the different things and aspects. Um, uh, lastly, number one, of course, as we said, Will Anderson. Nick, I mean, there's just nothing. He is the man. He is, he, he is the dude. Uh, I don't remember exactly what game it was that I saw for them, and it was just like, yeah, 31. 31's a freak. Um, special. Special. Like there's- special isn't even the word. Have we had a guy like this? Like, who can we compare him to? He's the best edge rusher we've seen since Vaughn Miller. Okay, I'm yeah. with that. Like, I can be with that coming in. He's the best pass. And, he's the best edge rusher since Vaughn. He's the best pass rusher since Donald. And the thing is, like, this guy is not just a one-trick pony. This guy, I, no, I know no. you can take it with a grain of salt. Like, if you watch, you know, Pro Football Focus and they do their grades, like, this guy still gets a 90 
overall grade on run defense. And he was able to get 17 and, 17 and a half sacks last year. On a defense that was kind of average. <laughs> 17 and a half. It was, it was calling him average, Joe. You're talking down oh, to your other guy. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> outside of him and Turner, they weren't great. Like, their back seven was extremely gross, other than, like, the end of the year where Jordan Battle picked it up in a hot to like at a higher level. Outside of Turner and Anderson, their defense last year was extremely mid. It's why all those games were close. They couldn't put teams away. Uh, but this year with him, uh, I think they have a lot of improvements. And it's why Mac and I picked them as the favorites and all that jazz. But like for him, look, call me nuts, man. If they did a top, like. He would easily be on the NFL's top 100 today. I don't give a shit. He's so good. He would have went. He would have went number one. He would have went number one last year if he would able to come out. You cannot convince me otherwise. Uh, he's obviously going one next year, barring like the Jags somehow getting the first pick, which is highly unlikely. I that, the that, Jags. That was the only team I could think of that had like a quarterback for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the only. It was a horrible. It was a horrible team to pick. Like I gotta go to our over unders. Who's who's a team that we actually think is gonna suck that could get the first pick that would not take? We think ours was like the, the Falcons and the Texans were the two that were True. like the Jets though. Though they dodged the bullet with Zach Wilson. Uh, another on how much Zach misses. Maybe the Bears. The bit like if the Bears somehow got the first pick. Um, pending. I mean, I you know, but uh, uh, so Anderson. Very well. Like the only reason he will not go one is if one of if like a team that actually has a QB is picking first. But even then, you know, you never know because it's hard to pass up on a guy like that. But yeah. he's special, dude. He's a, like he's, a, he's a generational talent. I wasn't saying the top one hundred player. Like he's in my mind. I, it would be hard for me to name 100 guys in, that play the sport of football that I think are better than him right now. He's that good. He is Defronto. Whatever word that is. He's he's not like other people, Nick Pearson. That I think. Sport. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think instantly he would be a top five edge rusher in the league. It's something. Nick, go ahead. You're, uh, I, I mean, every, everything's been said. The guy is a one-of-a-kind talent. There is no other way to really cut it. You can't name anybody else in the sport defensively that can do what he can do right now, especially in college. And it's I don't see any reason why it's not going to stay that way at the next level. Agreed a thousand percent. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of the top 50 players. We pretty much put this together in like two days. I asked Mac... Monday, who wanted to do a pod. We dropped it Tuesday. Highly appreciated that. And he said, hey, I got this pod idea. You want to do a top 50 player list? He threw it in the thing that me, him, and Nick have. And I didn't think Nick would be down. I thought he'd probably be busy or whatever. And Nick was all in. And here we are. Uh, This was awesome. What a, what a job we did. Round of applause to us. Pat on the backs to us. Good job. Hey, I'm just I'm just proud of how like efficient we were in terms of actually making the list and getting them in. 
That and like how like civil we were like trying to make the list. <laughs> it shows how far we've come. And if we did this like in 2016, we would have spent two and a half hours trying to nitpick. I would have gotten oh, dude, so. Somebody, somebody would have walked out of the room with a black eye. I would have gotten so much more offended on the Dallas Turner thing. <laughs> y'all would have thought y'all would have called me every name in the book for having Caleb Williams like at 20 or where I had him. Like it would have it would have been yeah, it would have been so much different than it was today. Like our little hour-ish like 40 minute session we had to rank everybody was so peaceful and I had so much fun. Better yeah. uh, joy, boys. It has been. All right, yeah. gentlemen, the next time we will all possibly be together Maybe. Uh, I don't know when. I can't think of the next occasion. Usually when we're all together, it's like a special occasion. I doubt it will be like, well, it'll definitely be before the baseball postseason. Um, uh, we can do a midseason check in. For football, we can do something. We'll figure something out. I know. I know the next time guaranteed. It's easy for us to do all three of us now because we're at the point where it's like we're trying to do all these season previews and stuff. But uh, you know, when we get to when games are actually going, we're all a little bit more busy, and I'm cranking out pods at weird ass times because I'm waiting until games end and stuff like that. But uh. I, I definitely know the next time, at, at worst, we'll probably all be together is right like at the end of September when baseball is ready and we can see if Nick can miraculously go two for two on getting everything right. Or is this just the year we just – we fade every Nick Pearson prediction because he's going to miss all of them. I would probably go that way. There's no way I'd do that two years <laughs> in a row. Uh, like everything he says this year, we're just fading the shit out of when it comes to baseball. Disagree, disagree. disagree. <laughs> yeah, it's like no. <laughs> hey man, I tried that last time and it didn't work. No shit. Yeah, you guys always would be like, I would kind of lean a lot towards Nick, but then also he, uh, I was splitting the difference sometimes. But Mac was just always on the opposite side, and no. I felt so I'm bad. Like, I, I was like, guys, this is I weird. had to though. Like, what's for the fun with all of us just agreeing? Like, I somebody has to be that guy. It was always like me and Nick talking, and then it was like, all right, Mac, what's your prediction? Be the bearer of bad news, you fucking scrub. <laughs> And it was just the funniest thing. <laughs> oh, well, I think the Astros are going to win. And we're all just like, boo, you suck. All right. Have some fun in your life. Exactly. Child. It's not fun to be a follower, Nick. <laughs> no, but you know what is fun? You know what is fun, though, Mac? Tell him. Being correct, Mac. <laughs> you're either right or you're wrong in this business. Sometimes it just feels so right to be wrong. That is fair. So, it's so wrong that it feels right. Exactly. What's what's with being conservative? Live on the edge. Even though picking the Braves last year was definitely not conservative, but hey, who knows? Oh, all right, boys. I Let's love you. See, yeah. Yeah. I was more on the conservative side with my picks last year. Let's just say that. That is fair. And did backfired. So, so this year is going to be chalk because Mac's going to live yeah. by it again. He's like, can't chalk can't miss two years in a row. <laughs> And I just—it's either gonna fall at its face, and we're gonna laugh at him, or he's gonna dance on our graves. We will see. It's probably neither. Yeah, just somewhere <laughs> in the. We're all gonna just be miserable. Um. All right, gentlemen. 
congrats to us. We did awesome. Great job. We did, we did the things, boys. We it's did. Been a pleasure as always. Yes, sir. All right, that has been another episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast here on the For Frequency Sake QC Podcast Network. Thank you all for tuning in. Next week, we will definitely have a Western Big Six preview. Um, that might be all we have. Maybe, if I'm lucky, might get some special stuff with some coaches, but I doubt it. It's going to be busy. Um not going to really do any week zero college football stuff. But we'll try to have some kind of big uh, college football thing for opening weekend. Do some sort of good Sinister Six stuff. I got to figure out what in the world I would want to put together because that week's going to be a mess. Uh, but it'll be fun regardless. But um, yeah, thanks to Nick and Mac for joining. This was awesome. I had really fun making this and putting this together over the last couple days. A lot of great research to do and a lot of great fun of us putting this together. And I think this is a really good project. So thank you all for tuning in again. This has been the Educated Ignorance Podcast on the For Frequency Say QC Podcast Network. Until next time, you know the rules. If you can't, uh, if you ain't got the game, you best pass the sticks. We will see you later, folks. Take care.